Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Welcome to Top Stories of the Week, presented by Girl on the Gov, the podcast. This exclusive bonus episode drops on Tuesdays and gives you the 411 on the need-to-know political news and tea. So as always, we'll keep you updated. Alrighty, welcome back to Top Stories of the Week. 2023 is here and we're back. We took a very quick hiatus, but we're back. And I like definitely have a little bit of like a post-break brain fog to brain cells functioning type situation happening, but we're here nonetheless and there's news to run through. We are here. We have news. But before we get into that, I I want to talk about something that happened yesterday that absolutely killed me. Okay. Like it was my favorite conclusion to break, which is just like not even, I don't know, break's always so weird when you work for yourself because no matter what you're like, you know, things come across your inbox or things that the you The way I had to try so hard to like not do anything last week because there was like, Sam and I were just talking about this because we were going to run through the news today and I was like, I feel like a lot happened last week and I was trying my best to just still stay tuned out to it. And I was like, should I make a TikTok about this? Oh, I was like, Maddie, don't do it. Just do it next week or just it's okay if we miss a few things it honestly it was almost annoying and i was joking about the like andrew tate situation mm-hmm. and then the george santos situation and i was saying this to my parents and i was like you know the week in between christmas and new year's is supposed to be quiet like everyone's supposed to be yeah. in this weird in between mode that where you're doing nothing you don't know what day it is whatever there's more going on than there should be in that week yeah. it should be an absolute no man's zone. And it wasn't. It was definitely a few things popping off. Totally. But And I will say for all my other fellow only children that are home for the holidays or that went home for the holidays, the struggle of like not doing things in the work capacity, I feel like is so much harder. It's like also being like an only child on vacation and you're like, what do I do with myself? Like, yeah. <laughs> I, only imagine. Like, oh. I mean, I even felt that way. I have an older sister, but like we all like my whole family, we were sitting around, especially because in California, it was raining a lot. So we don't, we as Californians don't know what to do when it rains, like genuinely. That's we're just like, what should we do? Like my parents were like, should we go somewhere? Can we go to like San Diego or Tahoe? Or like, where can we drive to? I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's raining like this the entire state. So I don't know where you want to go, but I think we just have to like, power in. <laughs> like, this is what how normal people exist you know rain happens Wait, that's hilarious but we idea. all were just like twiddling our thumbs like no idea what what to do oh no the raindrops oh my god literally um wow okay i will probably come up with a, a retort on that one later i'm just gonna let that one sink in and simmer for a hot second that is yeah. too good but anyways one rainy day activity that i did see from afar that you were partaking in was tiktok and this killed me because yesterday, so I, I was talking about the TikTok I made on my personal, but I think no. I know exactly what you're talking about. But I do, I do know randomly from your post 
what TikTok you're also talking about. But this, is- <laughs> <laughs> but this is so yesterday I was scrolling and I scroll a lot of times on our girl on the gov TikTok. I come across this TikTok and it was one of those classic <laughs> ones where like some sister is like hanging out with the fam and she has like a hot single brother and <laughs> the brother's making some case or you know make a TikTok of me see like if anyone wants to date me and it's this mini video of this like very hot guy like just one so of those guys. hot like standard hot but like you know what I mean like where it doesn't no, but matter. he was like such my type hot just like big and burly <laughs> he was hot he gave hockey player vibes you know what yes 100 I mean? totally could see him on the ice but he's also one of those guys where he's just not I don't he's not generic looking but generically hot in the sense it doesn't matter what your type is you're gonna find him hot you know yeah. what I mean and anyways there's this video you know the sister's like oh like I'm looking for a sister-in-law you know that kind of vibe mm-hmm. and I'm like hmm, interesting wonder who else is like you know quote unquote applied for this position in the comment section and I literally just go to the comment section immediately me first comment and granted it's because we're you know friends on on tiktok you're the first one and it's like madison blue and it's like i forget what you said i screenshotted it i said say less i was and and i replied and i was like funny seeing you here (laughs) and i replied back and i said you know exactly where to find me (laughs) in the comment section of a tiktok about a hot guy i will be there you will find me but the one thing is this is not the first time I've been exposed by friends from my comments and people's vi- on people's videos on TikTok. It's pretty rude, like especially on like really viral videos with a lot of comments. Like if I comment, I kind of expect like no one that I know to see it because there's just so mm. many comments. No, I-, I get exposed almost every time I fall mm. for a thirst trap on TikTok and. My friends like to call me out for it. Whatever. I don't really care. But it's just like. <laughs> is I, this going to be like your new like notorious thing? Yeah. I fall for thirst traps on TikTok and I will comment. And if you see me there, just don't be shy. Say hi. <laughs> I have no shame. No shame Maddie's out game. there shooting her shot, which we fucking love. Yeah. I mean, that's how if I like need need something from you, like, hey, like, have you revised the email list yet or something i'm just gonna look through thirst shops you know if you're mm-hmm. not answering text and then i'm gonna reply yeah to the comments and that's mm-hmm. how they'll get you yeah nonetheless i think we mm-hmm. should get into these stories we have a few to run mm-hmm. through um entering this new year there are new things happening in this new year to say the least so first things first congress is back it's 2023 and the 118th Congress begins tomorrow, aka Tuesday, when you guys are listening to this. And the big story in Washington, of course, will be the return of the divided government and what that means for President Joe Biden and the 2024 elections. So inflation and the state of the U.S. economy, the war in Ukraine, the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, the GOP presidential scramble and former President Donald Trump's legal troubles will all be huge storylines as well. But the daily partisan clash on Capitol Hill will dominate our focus, Punchbowl's focus. First, though, the fate of Kevin McCarthy must be decided, including whether he has the votes to become the next Speaker of the House. Right now, the answer is no. And the signs aren't good for the California Republican. But there are between five to ten House GOP lawmakers who may oppose McCarthy during Tuesday's Speaker votes on the floor. 
Even close allies privately worry that it's, quote, hard to see a path for McCarthy to get the 218 votes he needs. Yet so much remains fluid at the moment, and one can never underestimate how difficult it is for a member to publicly vote against their party leader for speaker. If McCarthy were to fall, it would represent a new level of chaos for House Republicans who have spent much of the last dozen years at war with the leadership of their party. Under the scenario, expect outright war between the middle of the conference and the 10 or so conservatives who block him, who blocked him from capturing the gavel. And so here are the troubling dynamics McCarthy faces heading into the most important 48 hours of his political career. First one is some House Republicans have personal gripes with McCarthy and they're not going to ever back him. Rep Bob Good of who is a Republican of Virginia, has told colleagues he he's miffed that it took McCarthy weeks to call after the former Liberty University official won his 2021 primary. This kills me because it is such... It's when, a little petty. It's very petty. Yeah. But it's like when there's... Okay, the the boy's dating a new girl and the mo- like mother-in-law buys the new girl like a present her mm-hmm. birthday and she gets a call six hours instead of four hours after it arrived or something like that as a thank you yeah yeah it's like a weird little petty moment especially to then be like i'm never ever going to back mccarthy because he didn't call me to congratulate me i mean who knows Look, what the I, like social expectations are in congress but apparently this is totally. one of them i don't know and i get that i really do get that where it's like especially if it's he's the exception to the rule and like we all know in group dynamics there's things where it's like subtle moves actually have like big implications or really are so passive aggressive or you know it really it does symbolize something but it's crazy that especially given how just especially i mean both parties are so stern on like party lines and like voting with the party and like being loyal to the party it's crazy that like something this petty and small like socially would translate to like upending this the entire like GOP's strategy to elect a speaker of the house like it just seems like a little for a lot or, it also yeah. I, I totally agree with that it makes me think that there were little moves like this that led up to the delayed phone call mm. you know what I mean like, yeah like they have slights. some other personal gripes yeah and like nothing big though like I would just given that the phone call is what's being used to mask the whole thing yeah, they don't know the whole small, story no little small digs that happened over time and then this was the final straw of like wow you're such a dick you couldn't even call me like that but it's funny to even think like either i wonder how punchbowl got that little piece of information whether it was like they heard it from their camp and like bob good's team was like oh this is why he's feeling this way about mccarthy these personal reasons aka he didn't call after the whatever but or is it like something that they're hearing like through the grapevine like house gossip you know it makes me think that it's from one of the the camps like that actually but like even as a calm strategy to like put that out there and be like he's not voting for him because he didn't call after his but i don't i think it's more of like a leak scenario and what Mm. from what i'm interestingly so i like don't say it's from us but this is what's right yeah so i just was reading the book that's been on our story about five million times recently but electable by ali vitelli and the way she talks she's covering campaigns but like the on this particular one the 2020 campaign 
is what the focus is. But she was talking about the primaries growing up to it and like how they got, you know, little tidbits and the embargoes and the releases and whatever, and like how different camps would like have certain leaks and whatnot. And I think that one of the- There's like strategized leaks. There's strategized leaks, but also there's ones that aren't. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the like paranoia that happens on campaigns, but also within teams is because there are- these leaks and it seems to be kind of a constant trust issue which i'm sure has a lot to do with why some teams are just problematic in terms of how they operate in so many ways yeah and but like even pop culture like that is kind of how it works in pop culture too like a source close to kim kardashian says this or you know like they're like anonymous sources almost too about with information like it could be that but Anyways, back to, yeah. back to the story. <laughs> the other one is Rep Matt Gates repeatedly has spewed sharp and invective against McCarthy, saying there are a hundred people he'd rather see become speaker. Whoa. And then the second thing is that there are Republicans who believe that the House hasn't operated properly for decades under GOP or Democratic majorities. This isn't new. And every time Republicans take the House majority, There's a small faction of lawmakers who push for changes to the chamber's operating procedures to make the institution more open. And so Rep. Chip Roy of Texas has been a leader of this effort. So that's an interesting point that like I can kind of get behind of being like, can we get someone who is a little less like, I guess, just partisan in a way so that we can find ways to be a more functioning body? Like, I that's maybe what I'm getting from this. On its face, I agree with that. But I think... It's not exactly. That's not what they, I think they're trying to hijack it to make it work specifically for the interests of those 10 or slightly more people, as opposed to being like, hey, let's actually evolve this to be an effective body. Yeah. And this story also went into pretty deep detail about the kind of changes McCarthy is wanting to implement, like like procedural changes. I didn't put that all of that in here just because it's a lot of like wonky procedural stuff but i think that's also what they're referring to of like a speaker will come in and change different procedural roles and that ultimately affects how um, i guess effective the house functions so anyways but in a bid to win over these wavering republicans mccarthy's office sunday released a rules package it's kind of what i was just referring to for the 118th congress that's brimming with concessions to conservatives in fact the anti-mccarthy faction has won pretty much every change they've sought yet they still refuse to back mccarthy mccarthy walked republicans through the package during a 4 p.m call on sunday afternoon But despite all of that, nine House Republicans released a letter Sunday complaining, quote, Mr. McCarthy's statement comes almost impossibly late to address continued deficiencies ahead of the opening of the 118th Congress. Rep. Scott Perry, one of the signees, tweeted, quote, nothing changes when nothing changes. And that must start from the top. Time to make the change or get out of the way. This letter infuriated McCarthy's allies as they believe they have met every single one of Perry's demands. And most troubling for McCarthy is the fact that Rep. Select Andy Oglis. Oglis? Hmm. Ogles. Ogles. I like that. Okay. Andy Ogles of Tennessee and Anna Paulina Luna of Florida signed on to the letter too. Ogles signed on to an earlier version as well, although the former Maui County mayor also said he'd back McCarthy. Yet this new letter shows McCarthy's biggest problem right now, 
while there has long been a pocket of hardcore opponents, there's a second tier of undeclared Republicans who have yet to announce their positions for the speaker vote. And their ranks are shifting, which makes prediction and solid vote counts even more difficult. And during the Sunday afternoon conference call, there was plenty of debate about what these rules concessions will mean for McCarthy. There's frustration among rank and file Republicans that anti-McCarthy conservative have brought the process of organizing for the new Congress to halt. Rep. Tim Wahlberg of Michigan told colleagues that he hears complaints about the mayhem when he goes to church. Some Republicans have privately vowed to the leadership that they are only supporting the rules changes so McCarthy can win the speakership and would oppose them if he were defeated. McCarthy warned of this dynamic on on the Sunday afternoon call. And amidst all of this, while McCarthy struggles to get the speakership, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell will appear with Biden in Kentucky on Wednesday, which the next story we'll get into a little bit more of why. But this is all very interesting. I, again, due to my forced break that I put on myself, like to hear that this is still where we're at. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. It's also it's we know we're giving you guys the story because it is important to know about. But it is definitely one of those ones that is so wonky and so annoying. But it's like it's too because it's also like really like I just it's crazy to see the Republicans so divided like this. I feel like they're usually the party that is so good at being together and being on the same page, and they're clearly not. (laughs) And to see that continue to be played out and them not have figured something out by now is crazy. And especially given that Congress literally starts tomorrow and we don't have a speaker of the house yet or an idea of who it could be. It's I mean, just I weird. And I will also say this is it doesn't make me feel like this is, you know, like how some people like say is the juice worth, worth the squeeze on the Republicans, like these 10 Republicans with this, fight i totally understand fighting for something you believe in and being like you know this is my these are my guns and i'm sticking to them whatever but this doesn't seem like the juice is worth the squeeze it really doesn't to me like i the, kind the, of very i'm ha- i'm very happy about it i mean personally. i'm not saying i'm not not happy about it because it obviously helps the dems here but i do think from like if you're on the republican side of things this is like guys like get over it move on be bitter about it behind but it also doors, makes but me like, think too that like mccarthy i think he's terrible and i think if he would be the speaker of the house it'd be very obstructionist like nothing we've seen before and to see that republicans even within the party and even behind closed doors and now coming out of closed doors and saying it publicly about him like i think he's much worse than i even think you know which is like crazy to think about and that's why i'm a little bit like, may I say proud of some of the Republicans to oh, actually be starting an odd route? We'll just start standing up to their own party. And especially like, you know, McCarthy's just been the head of this kind of like, honestly, a little bit of the Trumpian part of the party. And it's like to kind of see people within the GOP being like, we're done with this shit. Like, let's get a little bit serious here, you know? Yeah. Oh, my God. What? My nail is broken. And I literally don't know what it happened. That's so annoying. It's just gone. Wait, what the hell? I mean, at least it didn't hurt. That's positive. Yeah, but what the fuck? When did that happen? Is it just like <sighs> sitting on your desk? <laughs> it's probably <laughs> sitting somewhere. I don't know where it is. Oh, my God. Anyways, 
Anyways, next story. Um, Next story. Okay. Biden's New Year pitch focuses on benefits of bipartisanship. All right. Well, Joey B and top administration officials will open a new year of divided government by fanning out across the country to talk about how the economy is benefiting. (laughs) What was that word? Not sure. Benefiting. Let's just try that again. Benefiting from his work with Democrats and Republicans. As part of this pitch, Biden and Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell, the gobbler, will make a rare joint appearance in McConnell's home state of Kentucky on Wednesday to highlight nearly $1 trillion in infrastructure spending that lawmakers approved on a bipartisan basis in 2021. The Democratic president will also be joined by a bipartisan group of elected officials when he visits the Kentucky side of the Cincinnati area, including Senator Sherrod Brown of Ohio, Democratic Governor Andy Bashar of Kentucky, who, by the way, is up for re-election this year. Kentuckians, we know we have a lot of you, so pay attention. Okay, anyways, and Republican Governor Mike DeWine of Ohio. Biden's bipartisanship blitz. Oh, that's fun. That's okay. good. That's Partisanship good. blitz. Biden's bipartisan BBB. <laughs> Wait. Build back Biden's- that there. He loves a triple B. He does. Branding. He also loves alliteration, and I mm-hmm. do too. Yeah. It is also potentially the one like grammatical term that I remembered from any grammar <laughs> moment I had. So I love Isn't it. Isn't that more like English? I guess never mind. <laughs> Let's stick to what we're good at. <laughs> yeah, I'm just not going to contribute to that oh, conversation. No. <laughs> Anyways, this was announced two days before Republicans retake control of the House from Democrats on Tuesday, aka today, following GOP gains in the November elections. The shift ends unified political control of Congress by Democrats and complicates Biden's future legislative agenda. Democrats remain in charge in the Senate. Before he departed Washington for vacation at the end of last year, Biden appealed for less partisanship, saying he hoped everyone will see each other not as Democrats or Republicans, not as members of Team Red or Team Blue, but as who we really are, fellow Americans, which I feel like is a classic statement. The president's trip appeared tied to a recent announcement by Kentucky and Ohio that they will receive more than $1.63 billion in federal grants to help build a new Ohio River bridge near Cincinnati and improve the existing overloaded span there, a heavily used freight route linking the Midwest and the South. Congestion at the Brent Spence, Brent Spence, wow, Brent Spence, Brent Spence. That feels, there's something to that. I should look up who that is before I start making a jingle out of it. But anyways, congestion at the Brent Spence Bridge on Interstate 75 and 71 has for years been a frustrating bottleneck on a key shipping corridor and a symbol of the nation's growing infrastructure needs. Officials say the bridge was built in the 1960s to carry around 80,000 vehicles a day, but has seen double that traffic load on its narrow lanes, leading to the Federal Highway Administration to declare it functionally obsolete. Yikes, you don't want to be called federally. I mean, functionally obsolete. That's, Mm. ooh, ooh. That's like the new insult. I don't know who I'm going to be calling functionally obsolete in the near future. Well, now we know. We have it in our insult bank if we need it. Should I put in an idea factory? If you need to, yeah, remember it. I know I'll forget it. So I've been putting things in there the last week, just like little things. They're not nothing like big, just because I literally have no memory. Mm-hmm. The planned project covers about eight miles and includes improvements to the bridge and some connecting roads and construction of a companion span nearby. Both states coordinated to request funding under the nearly $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure deal signed in 2021 by Biden, who'd highlighted the project as the legislation moved through Congress. McConnell said the companion bridge will be one of the bills crowning 
accomplishments. DeWine said both states have been discussing the project for almost two decades, and now we can finally move beyond the talk and get to work. Officials hope to break ground later this year and complete much of the work by 2029. Biden's visit could also provide a political boost to Bashir, who is seeking re-election this year in his overwhelmingly Republican state. Also, one of our Kentucky listeners definitely told us how to pronounce his name at one point. And we I feel like you said it differently in the story. Twice. I definitely did. And you now I can't Bashar remember. and Bashir. I think it's Bashir. Mm-hmm. But regardless, mm-hmm. you said both. So in case... Whichever yeah, one's wrong, covering all the bases. Already I think they're yourself. both wrong. That's the worst part. <laughs> like, I don't Maybe. think there's, yeah, it's. That'd be on brand for us. That's true. And we got to stick to being Maybe that's brand. the, that's going to be our new plan moving forward is when we don't know how to pronounce something, just say it in every different possible way throughout the story so that mm. you at least hopefully get it right one time. That's, yep. Okay. I'm on okay. board with that. There it is. There's our plan. Other top administration officials will also help promote Biden's economic policies this week. In Chicago on Wednesday, Vice President Kamala Harris will discuss how the president's economic plan is rebuilding our infrastructure, creating good-paying jobs, jobs that don't require a four-year degree, and revitalizing communities left behind, the White House said in its announcement. Transportation Secretary Mayor Pete was delivering the same message in New London, Connecticut, also on Wednesday. Mitch Landrieu, the White House official tasked with promoting infrastructure spending, will join soon-to-be former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi on Thursday in San Francisco, which she represents in Congress. Side note, we saw him in person. We did. He was at, He spoke at the New Deal conference. We went to in D.C. And when we say he had the best accent mm-hmm. possibly ever, he's from New Orleans. But also the way he said New Orleans, like, I forget how he said it, but I was like, that's how you say it. That's, it was that's how you say it you know iconic yeah i wanted to not only be his friend but i like wanted this accent i was like this is so cool yeah it just sounded fun like you just he sounded wanted... like a movie character like yes actually but anyways i'm gonna try and attend this event <laughs> i just gotta figure out where it is but very interesting stuff mcconnell and biden i can't wait to see that photo op and yeah yeah that's just like an interesting combination seeing the two of them together but like they've been working together for years and years and years so sure have all right next story is good old george santos Mm. we mentioned this before our break about the story this man who won his won his election for congress in new york and it broke last in december of 2022 at some point that he basically lied about his entire resume and since then he has admitted to lying and that it was in fact true that he lied so even as the house gop leadership keeps silent a veteran republican lawmaker said sunday that george santos should consider resigning after the congressman-elect from new york admitted to lying about his heritage education and professional career Texas Rep. Kevin Brady, a former House House Ways and Means chairman who has served in Congress for 25 years, told Fox News Sunday that Santos would have, quote, to take some huge steps to regain trust and respect in his district. Santos is set, set to be sworn in on Tuesday when the new Congress begins. This is troubling in so many ways. Certainly, he's lied repeatedly, said Brady, who is retiring from the House, and He certainly is going to have to consider resigning, Brady said. A decision about whether Santos steps down is one, quote, to be made between he and the voters who elected him. 
In November, Santos 34 was elected in the 3rd Congressional District, which includes some of Long Island suburbs and a small part of the New York City borough of Queens. He became the first non-incumbent openly gay Republican to win a seat to Congress. But weeks after helping Republicans secure their razor-thin House majority, Santos is now under investigation for fabricating large swaths of his biography. His campaign spending is also being scrutinized. He has shown no signs of stepping aside, though. Last week, Santos was asked on Fox News about the, quote, blatant lies and responded that he had, quote, made a mistake. Interesting. That was a pretty strategic mistake. It's one thing if you like <laughs> lied about one thing, which still wouldn't be acceptable, especially in this case and in the categories that he's lying about. But if he lied about one thing. It's not a mistake thing, when you intentionally like do it. Do it. Yeah. yeah. But no. also like it's like not in addition, it's not like one little thing. It's like, oh, like shoot, should have told you guys about that. Like, I don't know. Oh, like, slipped gotten, my mind. I yeah, meant he'd to gotten clarify arrested that. for like stealing <laughs> gum or something and no one knew about it. Now yeah. everyone it broke. Like fine. I mean, not fine. Do yeah. you get my point? Whereas like this, like, no, you literally lied about every single thing. No, you like, intentionally lied about your resume in order to win co- your seat in Congress because you knew if you didn't lie, you probably wouldn't have won. So you had to lie, aka making it an intentional decision, not really like a oops mistake. So just oops. really, really interesting. <laughs> but the top House Republican rep, Kevin McCarthy of California, who is running to become House Speaker now that the GOP will hold the majority has not said what action, if any, he might take against Santos. Brady said if he headed a if he headed a committee that Santos was set to serve on, quote, right now he would not be on the committee. The congressman also said that, quote, we're a country of second chances. And when people are willing to turn their life around and own up to this and do what it takes to earn respect and trust again, you know, we're willing to do that. Brady said he was hopeful that Santos, quote, chooses the right path here. Democrats are expected to pursue several avenues against Santos, including a potential complaint with the Federal Election Commission and introducing a resolution to expel him once he's a sitting member of Congress. I just I look, I get the whole thing with like second chances for sure, but this is so far beyond being reparable, repairable. Totally, because it's like also not like he... When you lie about your resume, again, like we just talked about, to intentionally, like strategically so that you can win a a seat in Congress, because like what is a campaign except for like boasting about yourself and your life and why you are, you know, experienced enough to take this role? Like that, that's not just like a mistake that like second chances are needed from. It's like if he, you know, said something like that, people maybe like maybe would like cancel someone for and then he came back and said you know what i met with these these groups they taught me why i was wrong i learned so much like mistake like second chance totally i totally believe in it and in, in that way but this just isn't that it's like it's not that no it's it's so far from that it's and also this is the thing it's like there's no way that you could ever work with him because it's look like politics politicians are definitely known to be a little slippery like the Mm -hmm. overall reputation do they do sketchy things absolutely is there like shade on shade mess on mess for sure like there's a reason that we literally compare it to the real housewives all the time but this isn't that this is 
you lie so blatantly about the basic things about your life that you couldn't be trusted to be told the like to say what the difference is between ketchup and mustard. Like, yeah, this is an issue of like I don't know. Like, did you? And can we get the real resume? Do we know no, but- what his actual work experience is? Do we know? You know, like I just when are we going to get those answers? Because now it's just like there's this man and we literally don't know anything about him at this point because everything he said was a lie. Totally. And you know what? I also am sure that politicians everywhere embellish their resume a little bit when they run for office or, or you know, maybe like, I don't know. It's like, look, put an emphasis on things that, that you like, did like an internship and you really just like filed papers. Yeah. And, and then you make up all these tasks to make it seem like it was more. Right. Or you're like, that's normal. Yeah, like, <laughs> I actually, I was in charge of managing the larger, like, organizational totally. system. Right. Like, that's not this. This is, like, yes. Yeah. This is such a deep level of lie. This isn't like you using, like, not execu- to mention he's, he's also like wanted by the Brazilian government. I mean, like, Oh, I didn't know that piece. Yeah, like okay. there are so many pieces of this. And it was interesting because my aunt was texting me about this. She's like, oh my God. Like she loves to, she loves to chat on the political tea stuff. Mm-hmm. So she was texting. She's like, how did no one know? Like usually there's a local news source that like pumps it, whatever. And there actually was. And because people are not paying enough attention to local news, mm-hmm. no one noticed this. Which is and also shout so out to our friend Sky who mm-hmm. interviewed him during his campaign and then got the post lie interview with him well it wasn't even during his campaign it was like right after he won Mm, there we go so she and then the second one was after this and yeah she got like this exclusive so shout out and got on all the major news networks her interview which was awesome so shout out to sky but go watch um, it it's on city and state bts and actually that brings up the next thing that i want to say within this bubble because the person that she interviewed Next was Richie Torres, who's congressman from New York as well. And he introduced, in response to all of this Michigas, the Santos Act, which is just like genius, the way mm-hmm. that one of his staffers, who I'm blanking on the name, but it's credited in the video, the interview with him that Sky did, again, City and State, go check it out, and like came up with that acronym, mm-hmm. which just is incredible amount of justice. But basically, the bill reads, to require additional information about a candidate's educational background, military service, and employment history to be included when filing a statement of candidacy for Congress and for other purposes. And what Santos stands for is stopping another non-truthful office seeker act. So like, I mean, they really stretched. (laughs) Office seeker? (laughs) No, that's so good. I'm proud of whoever, yeah, whatever staffer was like, let me work on this. So great. <laughs> I'll figure it out. I'll figure out do... how to make this an acronym. <laughs> Literally, it's genius. Like I will do any amount of puzzle piecing to figure it out. Yeah. But I will also say that this is not just needed. Like obviously, we're seeing a very distinct example of why there needs to be more transparency around candidates. But this is just like it's kind of ridiculous to think that there wouldn't be like a fact-checking mechanism as candidates file. Yeah. Like, totally. I think people think maybe politics are just so dirty, they expect the worst. So, or I think also it falls in the same line of, like, sometimes I think about with the Trump administration, how it really highlighted so many protection, protective or so many holes in government that we expected to be protected or things that we thought would have like a backstop to them and they didn't. Mm-hmm. And this is another good example of, oh, we've we've got a gaping hole we need to fix. Yeah, absolutely. So 
we'll see where this goes. I mean, if besides the A, I think this should pass. We'll see where that where that lands, how many co-sponsors it gets and mm-hmm. yada yada. But even <laughs> if he gets to vote on it too. Oh my God. We no, like, what is he going to, what is he going to vote? Is he going to vote on it? That's funny. And if like, maybe that would be the way he can gain back trust is be like, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. I'll vote for this. I mean, not that I don't, totally. I don't even think he deserves to gain back trust because like, no, he should resign. You're just a shady motherfucker. But like to see him vote yes on this would be, would be, amazing. I will also say this is what, like when we were talking with Brian post election about how there's kind of like always an election happening, like election season never really sleeps and like a slim majority can be really dangerous for a mm-hmm. party more so and more stressful than anything. And this is a g- good example of that because say he were to resign, right? Say we got our, our wishes, he resigned. And then there's a special election that's triggered for this. And then a Democrat ends up winning that seat, which could happen if it's a, a good candidate, but be in this particular context. It's like, okay, well, the Republican just totally tricked us and pulled the wool over our eyes. So we're going to go with the Democrat. If you're like the voter participating, right. Mm-hmm. Could I, look, I don't know the exact demographic breakdown of this particular district. I know it's was flipped but regardless that would be my mentality as a voter if i especially had been Demo- typically a democratic voter voted republican and as the exception for santos and now i'm like are you kidding me mm-hmm. so point being is that a democratic seat could be picked up if he were to resign like that is a possibility yeah. and like the republicans need every seat that they possibly can to keep that majority and keep and have full attendance constantly for things to get passed in their nature so it's like you've got that one You've got already a special election in Virginia. Like that won't be in this Congress. I highly doubt that will be the Virginia special election that's already on the calendar. Be the only one. This one could be a potential one. There's other ones. Shit happens. So totally. I'll be watching. I'll be waiting. Mm-hmm. Next story. All right. Next story. Key takeaways from six years of Donald Trump's federal tax returns. I will say this is we were talking about how. The news cycle has really shifted where people seem to drop news on Fridays Mm. and it doesn't actually get swept under the rug. And it's been kind of a twist and turn of how the news cycle works. This was released or these returns were released to the public on a Friday. And I will say this one actually did feel like a slip under the radar situation. Totally. Like because even I saw it and I was definitely in holiday mode and I was like, I do not. I can't. So we're just difference between a Friday drop and a Friday before a holiday, holiday. drop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially the holiday where by the time people get to the end of December, people are so burnt out and everyone needs a moment. Mm-hmm. So it's not just like it's not like you're dropping it around Easter. People are kind of getting excited for spring. Maybe they'll like, I don't know. Yeah. Check in. I know Easter's a Sunday, but you can. I think they like also. Well, let's read through this and then I okay. have tons of yeah. thoughts. So six years of Donald Trump's federal tax returns released on Friday show the former president paid very little in federal income taxes the first and last year of his presidency, claiming huge losses that helped limit his tax bill, among other revelations. The returns, long shrouded in secrecy, were released to the public on Friday by the House Ways and Means Committee, the culmination of a battle over their disclosure that went to the Supreme Court. They confirm a report issued from the Joint Committee on Taxation that Trump claimed large losses before and throughout his presidency that he carried forward to reduce or practically eliminate his tax burden. For example, his returns show that he carried forward a $105 million loss in 2015 and $73 million in 2016. 
The thousands of pages of documents from the former president's personal and business federal tax returns, which spanned the years 2015 through 2020, provide a complex web of raw data about Trump's finances, offering up many questions about his wealth and income that could be pursued both by auditors and Trump's political opponents. Now, before we get into takeaways here, I want to flag something that I will also link in the description of this episode, and that is a Barbara Walters interview, maybe she rests in peace, from... I can't remember if this is the 90s or 80s. Regardless, you'll see the interview and it says it in the caption where she's interviewing Donald Trump and he's being he's like all these banks are coming after him. He's like not doing so hot in business, but classically gloating, acting like he's like king of the hill. And it's this like very funny situation where he clearly can't handle business like he's a shitty Mm -hmm. businessman. He's a oddly clearly can con enough people but he's actually like bad at business Mm -hmm. and she's making the argument because i guess he'd released a book on being good at business and people should buy this book whatever and she's like well how why would anyone actually believe your bullshit because all these banks are coming after you yada 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 and this yet again is in this lane of like you're bad at business which is such an argument that so many republicans Mm -hmm. republicans that are hardcore trumpers but also republicans that just I see Did the fis- fiscally conservative, conservative. Uh, socially and, liberal situation when Trump it, was in office. Yeah. And I see it a lot with the man on the street type style interviews, like where they interview a Republican. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, yes. why are you in inter- or why would you at least go for Trump? And they're like, well, because he's a good business person. And, and like, he's just like us. Both of those things couldn't be farther from the truth. He's not just like you. And he's a shitty businessman. I don't. What are you dumb? Sorry. Totally. Totally. I really it's so it's so wild to me. And it's really blatant. So that's yeah. why I really don't understand it. I know that a lot of it has to do with also the news coverage people are watching and all of that. But still, I really, when this is like in your face, I don't get it. Yeah. Anyways, key takeaways. The returns shed light on questionable tax claims. Thank you for stating the obvious. The Joint Committee on Taxation, which reviewed the returns, flagged that Trump claimed a large number of questionable items on his tax returns, including eyebrow raising. I really thought that was going to be like eyebrow treatments or something like that. I don't know why. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, no, spray tan. I want to know the bank statements with all the spray tanning yeah. details. Probably paid cash under the table for those, but mm. whatever. Including eyebrow raising amounts of interest he claims to have received from loans to his children, the bipartisan committee said could indicate Trump was disguising gifts. An auditor should investigate the loan agreements Trump made with his children, including the interest rates. If the interest Trump claims to have charged his children was not at market rate, for example, it could be considered a gift for tax purposes, requiring him to pay a higher tax rate on the money. There are also questions about Trump's return listing an identical amount of company expenses and income. The JCT, in its report, raised several similar questions. For example, it noted IRS auditors were investigating multiple so-called large, unusual, questionable items on Trump's tax returns, which the regulator wanted Trump to provide supporting evidence to back up his claims. And this is why, people, you always need your receipts. (sighs) Returns show, this is another takeaway. Takeaway two. Takeaway two. Returns show he held foreign bank accounts while in office. And this gives me, but what about her emails? Mm -hmm. That's the energy this gives me. Trump reported having foreign bank accounts between 2015 and 2020, including a bank account in China. Between 2015 and 2017, his tax returns show. How sus. 
The returns also show that Trump paid more in foreign taxes than in U.S. federal income taxes in 2017, the first year of his presidency. 2017, Trump paid just $750 in U.S. federal income taxes because of the large carry-forward losses that he claimed in prior years, mitigating virtually all of his American tax liability. Yet Trump paid nearly $1 million in taxes to foreign countries that year. Okay. The fact that Trump paid foreign taxes isn't itself surprising, but it shows how Trump's companies and businesses' interests span the globe, and how those businesses are subject to local tax laws and regulations. Suspect, suspicious. Okay, takeaway number three. Number three. Trump claimed no charitable deductions in 2020. Wow, what a generous guy. I mean, I'm not surprised. During his presidency, Trump pledged he would donate the entirety of his $400,000 salary to charity each year. He frequently boasts about donating parts of his quarterly paycheck to various government agencies. While the press doesn't like writing about it, nor do I need them to, I donate my yearly presidential salary of $400,000 to different agencies throughout the year, Trump tweeted in March 2020. March 2019. What is this guy, George Santos? Trump's finances took a sizable hit in 2020, probably as a result of the pandemic and lack of demand for vacations and lodging in his hotels. Trump reported large donations to charity in 2018 and 2019 helped to reduce the amount he owed on millions of dollars in income he reported in those years. It's just so weird. First of all, why why are you lying about this $400,000 thing? Your salary thing. Just sketchy. Unnecessary. Yeah, but... Unnecessary lie. Like, whatever. He's then, a boaster. He's a boaster. And... There's that. But I also, like, that is such a strategy of, like, the charitable donation situation. So many people I know literally try and get to, like, pretty much if you want to do, like, a charitable deduction that actually helps you, mm-hmm. it kind of needs to be $10,000 or more. Mm-hmm. And so the amount of people that I know will try and hit that number, whether it's they're donating to a museum or an event or whatever it is, to get that deduction is huge. Like, that's such a common thing. So to then go to, like, no attempts at charitable deductions, very odd. Yeah. Like, given given the scenes he, or whatever scene he runs in, the events he goes to, and the things he's touched over the years, you couldn't even give $500 to, like, your local animal shelter? Right. Yeah. Excellent. Especially, yeah. My, I think a long way of saying, given the income he claims, claims to have, and how rich he claims to be. Hitting that ten thousand dollars threshold should be no like like especially if you were going to give away four hundred thousand dollars of your income of being president. Yeah, why wouldn't you hit that and get that deduction? Right, right. Interesting. Anyways, also I should note we are not tax lawyers and do not come to us for tax advice or legal advice. I should do not come to me for tax advice. No, ma'am. So just this is our commentary and our random general world knowledge, but like again. Hire a lawyer, hire, hire an accountant. Do not know. Okay. That is just our disclaimer. Thank you from the legal department. That is Girl on the Gov, which is me. And honestly, someone on TikTok recently told me that I gave lawyer vibes. And I, that's the nicest thing anyone on the internet has ever said about me. So mm-hmm. just, just putting that out there. Anyways, now we're on to what, point four? Yes. Trump's own 2017 tax law appears to have reduced the amount he was able to deduct from the tax bill. Interesting. Trump claimed that the 2017 Republican tax plan he championed and signed would cost him and his family a fortune. It's not clear that it did, but it does appear to have limited the amount that he could claim in one part of his complex tax return. Interesting. Okay. And last but not least in this takeaways situation, 
Takeaway five, presidential audits. The Ways and Means Committee, which is responsible for overseeing the IRS and writing tax policy, requested the returns under the authority of Section 6103 of the U.S. Tax Code. The report focused primarily on whether Trump's tax returns during his time in office were properly audited under the IRS Mandatory Audit Program for U.S. Presidents. The committee found that the IRS opened only one mandatory audit during Trump's term for his 2016 tax return. Dun, 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 dun. And that didn't take place until the fall of 2019, after Chairman Richard Neal, Massachusetts Democrat, first sent a letter asking the IRS for Trump's returns and tax information. The report characterizes the presidential audit program as dormant. Interesting. Republicans on the committee argue that Democrats acknowledge it was not necessary to publicly release the private tax information to change requirements on the presidential audit program. Last week, the House passed a bill that reformed the presidential audit process in a largely symbolic vote before Republicans take the majority in the new Congress. Legislation is not expected to be taken up by the Senate before the new Congress is sworn in. Okay, this was this happened before. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think this is definitely like, or as Claudia Oshry likes to say, a big nothing burger. I feel like the main takeaway is that he's a shitty entrepreneur and businessman, which is like something I already personally knew and could predict about him. But as far as I think the other thing, too, especially looking at like the news coverage on this and especially like talking about when it dropped and how it kind of, you know, especially because of the holiday, people weren't talking about it that much. Like it's also a story when it comes to like taxes and tax codes and like tax returns. Like I wouldn't know, look at his tax returns and know anything unless there's something like so blatantly where it's like tax fraud arrest him. Like I don't know that the general public is going to be like, oh, like, you know, really take this up as far as something that's like really concerning. Because again, like most of the analysis of this story is like, it just shows that he's not as great of an entrepreneur and businessman as he said, which again, like, I think most of us already do. And I don't think his base is going to even look at this. And even if they did, they would be like, this looks fine to me, whatever. There's nothing blatantly terrible about, or like criminal, I guess, of what came out of these records yeah i think it's it's hard to consolidate and throw out there as like two talking points like what does this actually mean you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like to synthesize it down i think that this type of scandal if you will is similar to me or similar in attack to the Hillary's email scenario Mm -hmm. but somehow the Hillary's email scenario was easier to synthesize and digest for people just the way it was molded by the media and created and whatever this like you're saying I do agree this is hard if you're not an accountant you don't touch tax stuff frequently yeah this is hard to really digest yeah, totally. You don't like, and really I, again, understand I agree. The you, you look at this and you go, okay, if you're putting in all of these losses, and also it's the thing I also noticed, it seems like such a yo yo, and it does flag as sketchy, but I don't. It it's flags hard as to sketchy, know. but like, does it flag as like, and holy it shit, as, like, there's likely some shell. No, it's just like right. kind of stuff, like learning more about what we already expected of him bad business person and the other thing is that she does flag as potential fraud i just don't know exactly where in this matrix it is so this like takeaway story too too, is from cnn which like you kind of expect to like maybe uh, they'd add in some commentary being like this is so bad because but each takeaway that we just read through was like here's the takeaway here's what it could mean but it doesn't really mean that you know like there's no like big 
bombshell in any of the takeaways. It's kind of just like a, well, there's this and it could mean this, but it also could be nothing. Totally. Yeah. So totally. that still an important story for sure. And one last week that I think flew under everyone's radar, even myself, because of just the time we were in of holidays and breaks and such. But you know, it is an interesting theme here, though, today, today on this day of days is just transparency in politics, because we're looking mm-hmm. at this in terms of taxes, right? President mm-hmm. Trump, who's been kicking and screaming like a toddler about releasing his taxes for years. They finally yeah. do it. And then we have, you know, George Santos with this whole lie, lying situation, scheming scam or whatever. And then Richie Torres, uh, you know, announcing, releasing this, you know, Santos act slash bill. And that's, you know, with the idea of creating more transparency as well. And I just think the overall theme of this top story is is the need for more transparency in candidates and transparency in elected officials and elected office. That's really the the sitch. Great point, Samantha. Well, those are our top stories of the week. Our first top stories of 2023. Welcome to the new year. Welcome. And also, if you're new here, this is our Top Stories episode. We do this every Tuesday where we release an episode talking about the top political news and stories that we are looking at per week. So we give you a little taste of what you should have on your radar for any given week. And our Wednesday episodes, which release the next day, are interview-style episodes with an expert-slash-expert guest. I don't know what the difference is between an expert-slash-expert guest. It's the same thing. So you know what? An expert there guest. It is. <laughs> there it is. So hopefully you will join us. Who's our expert guest tomorrow, Samantha? Oh my God. I'm so excited about this guest. Okay. And there's no video. I don't even know who it is. Like FYI. Oh, now I know. Now I know who it is. Now you know. We're having Michigan Supreme Court Justice Kyra Bolden. Kyra Bolden is a fucking icon. Icon. star. Icon. Star. Oh my God. So first of all, she is the first black Supreme Court Justice on the Michigan Supreme Court. So we fucking love to see it. We love a trailblazer and we cannot wait to see what she does. She was also a Michigan legislator before that. So lots to talk about. Lots, lots to, to talk, talk about. about. I'm really, it's it's very interesting. And I we talk a lot about this too, as like a voter, when you look at your ballot, especially state by state, it's so different. But like for my ballot in California, there's like tons of justices I have to vote on, but like justices are supposed to be totally not political so there's sometimes not even like campaign websites for these justices you have no idea like who you're really voting for and so we get into all of that and it's just a really informative episode to kick off the new year yeah yeah oh and also she's a vote mama member so you know we love it even more we do so stay tuned stay tuned we'll talk to you tomorrow and to the loo to twos Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description.